Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. Taryn and myself are awfully excited because Flyers hockey is finally just about back. The season opener is on Friday night at the Wells Fargo Center. Taryn, how about a four-game homestand to open this season? I know. It feels – I can't remember the last time that the Flyers were, like, truly home to start the season for any kind of extended period of time. I'm sure somebody listening to this will know off the top of their head. Um, But, you know, last year was obviously strange. And then the year before that, we were in Prague and, well, in Switzerland and then Prague and then home for a game and then Western Canada for like 10 days or something like that. Um, And so I think this will be nice, um, but I did get to sit down. I know we'll talk about this a little bit later in the interview. I did get to sit down with Elaine Vigneault earlier today, one-on-one. And um, I think everybody should be excited. I think it will be an exciting team. Uh, I was excited watching, you know, teams other than the Penguins that I don't have a ton of investment in last night. And I still was just so happy hockey was back with fans and people look excited again. Um, But AV did kind of temper it a little bit in our interview and he was like you know what I think it it will take a little while for this team to come together especially given the injuries and Kevin Hayes put on long-term IR today and you know everything in between but it's it is it's just it's so exciting to have hockey back and especially um you know when you look at how much work Chuck Fletcher did in the offseason I'm excited to see once that team has their chemistry going, I think probably like December is when we'll really get our first true feeling of like the identity of this team would be early December would be my guess. Cause I think Kevin Hayes is out until November 10th and then everybody else has time to develop chemistry. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can do to begin the year. You have to start the year. Well, but I think, um, yeah, I, by early December, I'm really excited to see where this team is at. Uh, cause I think that's when you start to find new, newer teams, teams that are kind of newly pieced together, start to discover who they are to where the 2019, 2020 flyers started to discover who they are December, January. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's wild to think about it's October 13th. Like that's just insane to me today. So, uh, it's crazy. Absolutely insane. It really is. And you can, Flyers fans, you can catch Taryn Hatcher on pregame live Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, she'll have an hour of pregame with Scott Hartnell and the crew leading up to puck drop at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Friday night, Wells Fargo Center against the Canucks. And Al Morganti will be there, too. And Al Morganti. There have, you go. We have a two-host a two host day. I'm really excited to be – I get to talk less, which <laughs> I prefer. I'd rather hear from Scott now. I like to hear Scott now bat back and forth with each other. So yeah, Jordan, I'm excited. Thanks. Thank you for promoting my show that I probably should have promoted. I appreciate you being no. the professional that you are. Of course. I figured I'd throw it in there. Um, had to. So, cause I know I'll be watching for sure. As I'm at the arena, I'm going to live stream that. Um, on the, my team's app, right? Or, or on the, my team, my team's app, or, or on the website at NBC sports, Philadelphia.com. Let's get all the plugs in there. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. 
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. But there is a new season and the Flyers truly have a new look. I think Flyers fans um, for a while now have clamored for just something new. Uh, Get away from the stagnancy that maybe they've experienced over the last eight, nine years. I really thought the sense of newness started in Elaine Vigneault's first year. They did have some big additions on the roster. They did have a totally new coaching staff, but I think it really was kicked into hyperdrive this offseason. And if you don't think this team has a new look, just look at the transactions. Uh, with the two claims recently, they have nine new pieces to the roster. That's a lot for one offseason. Um, Patrick Brown was claimed on Monday. He's going to be in the season opening lineup. And then even today, Zach McEwen was claimed from the Canucks. He'll probably be their extra forward. So there really is a new look to these Flyers. New look brings expectations, especially after last season. Taryn Hatcher, if you had to identify what you think will truly be the strength of this team, where is it for you? Um, Well, I think to your – well, to touch on something you just mentioned, of all the pieces they picked up, eight eight new names on the opening night roster now. So kind of wild. I think with – Kevin going on long-term IR, it'll be nine. So on the opening night roster, which is wild. Um, I think they're going to make it defense. I've, you know, I talked to Chuck this morning, actually. I had an event with him this morning, and then I talked to Elaine Vigneault this afternoon. And both of them said, you know, we're we're realistically not going to be the most dynamic, high-flying offensive team in the league. You look at the type of players we have, and that's not who we are. That's not who the Flyers were when they were really good in 2019, 2020 either. They were getting goals from all over the place, lots of depth, playing hard, being hard to play against. That that was their bread and butter. I agree with you. I think that this, this for me, is a refreshing year in Flyers hockey because the there were old parts, there were old structures within the building that just seemed like you were trying to build around for so long and maybe you just have to take them out and start new. And I think sadly, as much as I appreciate Jake as a person dealing with him, he's been phenomenal and he's obviously an incredibly skilled player, a uniquely skilled player. I think that that taking that part out kind of really was a removal of the old guard, kind of one of the foundations of the old structures of the team. And was just like, you know what, that shell of that team, we're done with it. We're going to move forward in a different direction. We're going to try something different. And yes, Claude Drew is still the captain. And I think, you know, you can say whatever you want publicly, but uh, I think that he's well-respected and pretty well-liked within that locker room. He's incredibly competitive at practice every day. And he, you know, when you talk to his, his uh, teammates, they all love being his teammates. So I think there's something to that, but I think the team as a whole looks entirely different, but I think they're, they're going to pride themselves on defense playing smart. I think has been a big emphasis is not committing dumb penalties, not making dumb mistakes. Um, I think last year got so sloppy, especially with the lack of practice time. I think that's something that they are going to be incredibly hard on this year. Um, 
and I think it's going, it's hard to say this because obviously the goals against last year was, you know, pretty glaring number, but you look at how many changes there's, there's been to the defensive pairs. And I think it's a team that wants to pride itself on being hard to score goals against. And I think they want to be a team that prides himself on being hard to play against. Um, so, you know, as much as I think people would love to have, like, you look at Columbus now and you've got line a and Voracek on the same line and you're like, wow, it's going to be a, a dynamic top line for them. Um, I don't even think that's the identity this team is looking to have, to be honest with you. And I don't know that necessarily, I, you look at Edmonton and Edmonton certainly got a ton of dynamics offensively going and hasn't hasn't particularly worked for them. So it's, that's not saying that that's, you know, the only key to success is being an offensive team. And I don't think that's going to be the key to success this year. What do you think it's going to take Jordan? What do you see? What do you preseason prediction? What is the identity of the 2021, 2022 Philadelphia Flyers? It's a great question. And I have to agree with you not to be boring, but I do think the team is built from the back end. Are you saying my answer was boring? No, no, no. I'm saying not to argue. If I was to argue and do something different, I would be way more, you know, we'd be (laughs) creating a discussion. But I, you know, it really is. It's the back end out. They, um, Elaine Vigneault has stressed that they changed the team dynamic. And we'll hear more from Vigneault coming up in this podcast uh, with a full interview in pregame live on Friday. But they truly changed the dynamic from the back end out. It all started with the acquisition of Ryan Ellis. That was the first move of the off season. And I think there was a reason why that was the first move. That was the biggest objective was getting a top pair defenseman. They have three new defensive pairs. And I think it does remind me more of the 2019, 20 team that was really built in the defensive group and solid goaltending. And like you said, Taryn, they really don't have superstars up front and that's okay. I don't think you need a superstar. As long as you have good and balanced scoring and good defensive awareness up front, then your back end can really take care of you, and so can your goaltending. So if Carter Hart has a bounce-back year, I think that will be the keys, really, to the Flyers' success. And then the defensive uh, group being stabilized. Uh, three new defensive pairs led by Ryan Ellis, who I think is an all-situation, do-it-all guy that's really going to spearhead the whole movement forward. But that's where I think the Flyers' success will be. But, Taryn, are you a little concerned – about the scoring up front. I would be lying if I wasn't concerned about their depth down the middle without Kevin Hayes right now. I'm very, I, I, you know, no one wants to hear this. And when people ask me about it in public, I, I say exactly what I think. Um, I am concerned about scoring up front, especially until, you know, at least two months into the season, probably, because I think once you get Kevin Hayes back, it's going to take a while to truly get Kevin Hayes back. And I think until then, everyone's playing one spot above their rung. I I just think that's true. Um, You know, I think that the teams tried to make the right moves, bring in Pat Brown and Zach um, Kewen and give the team some depth in the meantime, so that if people aren't working in the bottom of six, they can, potentially slot somebody out, move somebody around. I I think they've given themselves more flexibility there than to force AHL players who have not yet proven ability to get by at the NHL level um, to to come up and like force a Morgan Frost in a two C spot or something like that. I think that's, they've decided that's not the route they want to go. And to be honest with you, I think it's smart. I know there's people who don't agree with it because they want to see Morgan. They want to see these kids get their shot. 
And I think that's a natural reaction given like the hex doll era of it all and holding off on these kids until they're really ready and yada yada. I, but that's not who Chuck is. That's not who Elaine is. I don't think that's the issue here. I am, I am concerned about goal scoring until you really get Kevin back and you see what you have. Because again, I think aside from that top line, it forces everyone to play a little bit, a little bit more than doing a little more than they really should be or will be in an ideal situation. Um, but the other part of that that I'm kind of hopeful about is that I, I hope the Flyers power play is more effective this year with a Ryan Elvis Ellis and a Keith Yandel in that kind of QB position at the point in the, in the power play. I don't think the Flyers have really had that in a long time. I don't think that's Ivan Provorov's strong suit. Um, and so you're hoping maybe on the man advantage, they can try to make up for some of what they lack um, in other places. And they're probably going to have to at the start of the season. I'm kind of my prediction is if they're not capitalizing on power plays, I think they're going to have problems. And I know it seems like an obvious you know, analysis to come to, but, um, you know, that 2019, 2020 season that we always reference where they were really good. That wasn't necessarily always true. They got goals in all sorts of ways from all sorts of places. Um, and I think at some point in the season, they will be able to do that. I just don't think, I think we have to temper expectations for the first six to eight weeks. I know nobody's really going to do that given the way last year went and having grown up here, people just don't do that anyway. Um, and I probably won't either. Like you'll see me on post game getting irritated. If it's an irritating game, I can guarantee you, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I, there, I feel like there might be a few three, one, three, two, two, one, two, nothing type of games at the start of the year, if things are going well. Um, but yeah, the team comes out and wins a bunch of six, two games. Like they, they did last year where they would win six, two or lose seven to one. I'd be shocked because I don't think that's the team that they're hoping to see this year. How about you, Jordan? What's your biggest concern? Yeah. It's a lot of what you just said, but I do think their, their center of depth is concerning right now. Just giving the Kevin Hayes injury, Morgan Frost, not making the roster. I think you're so right. Taryn guys are playing up a peg on the ladder. Um, that's okay for the start of the season, but I think, the Flyers really will need it to change eventually. Kevin Hayes will be awfully important, but you do have to look how quickly he can get back. And then even when he gets back, will he be the same player? That could take some time, some patience. But the beautiful thing for the Flyers is it is an 82-game season, and there is some normalcy to it, um, a lot of normalcy to it. Fans will be back. Um, they'll have more time. It's not like the 56-game season last year where things went totally awry for them. So if I did have a concern, it would be the center depth. Um, but that would be the biggest one because I do think their penalty kill is improved from a personnel standpoint. That was 30th in the league last year. It was a nightmare. I do think they have new personnel that can help that PK be better. And I think their defensive strengths, uh, on the back end will help them cut down on their league worst goals against from last year. So all of that is good, but if there was one concern, it would be at center. I think there will be a lot of pressure on their goal scorers, guys like Cam Atkinson to really score goals. Uh, Travis connecting to have a bounce back year. Oscar Lindblom could be a major sleeper in terms of being a key, key part to this season. He looks like himself again, where he was his pre-cancer diagnosis. Um, that was the guy that was projected to finish with 30 goals in 2019-20 before he was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma. So 
an Oscar Lindblom of 2019-20 before his diagnosis would be massive. He looks like he could be that player, but we still need to wait and find out. I think it's huge for the Flyers, too, that TK came back looking the way he does in camp and how sharp and strong and conditioned he looks. And Oscar, here's the thing with Oscar that I I really enjoy about watching him in camp is even in camp, he plays, I mean, he plays with his speed and his IQ that he had before cancer. And I hate to keep referencing it because I don't think he really wants it to define him, but for at least the, the time being, because last year he didn't look like himself, I think we have to um, qualify things a little bit, but when you watch him play, you can tell the way he's playing. He's no longer qualifying his, his approach to the game and having this caveat in the way he looks out on the ice. He looks pretty feisty in practices. He looks sharp. He looks fast. He looks fearless in certain situations where before I think all of us would like clutch our pearls when certain hits would take place or whatever, because you just wonder about his strength and his ability to heal um, and needing rest and recovery. And I think a lot of us are actually, you know, I'll speak for myself. I think for myself, when I see the tiny number 23 on the helmet at the, on the receiving or the giving end of a hard hit, I still kind of hold my breath for a second. And when you see his reaction to things and his body language, you can tell he's not, he's not thinking about anything other than just playing hockey which they need that because you're right. They need those guys to produce. Um, and I like the way Cam's been flying around as well. And, you know, not for nothing, I don't want to overanalyze like seeing someone skate a few weeks after they just got abdominal surgery, but given the way Kevin Hayes looks when we see him out there skating and trying to get back into things, I'm kind of glad the long-term IR thing came out today because you just looked at it and you're like, I really hope that there's not a situation where they try to force him back. No one would ever do anything that's detrimental to anyone's health on this team. The way Chuck Fletcher treated um, Sam Moran as a, as an example shows you anything. They're, they're a team that really puts health first. Um, But I just seems like Kevin probably should take time and does need time. I don't know. I don't know. I've not poked into like physical therapists about really what the timeline is. But like we saw him skating, Jordan, and we were talking about it. And I've seen videos of him skating. And you just look at that and you're like, maybe give the guy the time that it's going to need to really heal an injury that requires surgery on something that you just got surgery on also. So yeah, I'm kind of, kind of glad the, I'm not glad, but it seemed like that was inevitable, especially after seeing him skate. And then when it got announced, I think all of us who are there on the day-to-day as much as you want to see him out on the ice, you can see what the team really looks like. You don't want to see him out on the ice until he looks like what he should look like. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping TK and, and G and Couturier, I like the way G's looked in camp too. I think people don't talk about it anymore because like, of course he should show up to camp ready, but we were talking about this the other day, like, He's still an insanely talented player on a level that I don't think he always gets enough credit for because he's been doing it for a long time. And um, yeah, and he's been on some teams that weren't so great with the Flyers. And and so I don't think it's credit, but the way Claude Drew has responded to father time in terms of his skill set, I really like, I think he's, 
not denied anything about like, okay, I'm this age now and I'm not out here buzzing around at, at Connor McDavid's speeds, which means I have to do other things. And I think he's really developed his game to make that shift with him. And I see it in camp and he's still as competitive as he ever was in camp, which I said the other day when he falls down, he looks like he's mad at the ice. Like he's that competitive. Um, I just, I like the way Claude Drew's looked in camp personally. I, I think he looks competitive and like he's, I think Jake's going to be out in Columbus with something to prove. I think Claude Giroux was in Philadelphia with something to prove after last season. And he, he was the, I mean, he put the team on his back a lot of games last season. So of all the people with something to prove, I don't think he's actually like public enemy number one there, but he's playing like it. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Taryn, uh, he turns 34 years old, Claude Drew, in January. But his skill level is elite as ever. Um, he's not going to lose that. That's why I've, I've written before. I think I could see him honestly playing close to his 40s. Um, he just, his skill and his smarts are like some of the best on this planet and in, at, in the game of hockey. So, uh, I'm with you, Taryn. I think he's going to be pretty driven this year. It's a contract year for the captain. Um, and the, both sides, his side and the Flyers have decided they're going to discuss things at the end of the year. I'm raising my hand here. Uh, one of our <laughs> old coworkers, I know, do you know what I'm going to say? One of our old coworkers came up with one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. Tom, shout out to you. Oh, uh, he said, Claude Giroux is going to like kill it through this year, get signed by Ron Hextall and the Penguins and go win a cup with Sidney Crosby and Jeff Carter, isn't he? And I, a part of me was like, don't say that because I interviewed Jeff Carter in 2020, I think. 
and asked him about, would he ever consider coming back to Philly? And he goes, no, I love LA. I can't see myself moving back to the cold weather or something like that. And then a year later, he's in Pittsburgh with Ron Hextall. And I'm like, Pittsburgh over Philly? Are you for real? Like, biases aside, come on. Um, and when I saw that tweet from Tom, I almost spit out my drink. I was like, I, this is one of the funniest, most ridiculous tweets I've ever seen in my life. If you told me 10 years ago, I would have been like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think Tom put that on Twitter to, to almost 99% uh, troll everyone out there on opening night. For well, it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that certainly got some reaction, but big contract year for Mr. Claude Giroux. Uh, he's a driven and dogged competitor, but I think uh, a contract year certainly makes anyone that much more motivated. So a big year for the longest tenured active athlete in Philadelphia. But as we said, the Flyers have changed the, the dynamic around Claude Drew big time. There are a lot of new faces, a lot of new experience, a lot of new leadership. Let's hear what Elaine Vigneault had to say about the new team dynamic with Taryn Hatcher. One of the things that we felt was necessary was to address our team dynamic, our team accountability, the type of guys that, that we would bring in. And uh, we, we've really done that, you know, from uh, Keith Yandel, I, I've coached before. He's one of the best teammates, uh, one of the best young men that I've coached. And, and all the players that have played with him would, would say the same thing. You bring in Cam, you bring in Ryan Ellis, uh, you bring in Broussard, and, and you know, you just look at uh, what they can, uh, the experience that they bring and what they can do on the ice. Uh, we've just, you know, changed our, our group and, and the way it's going to interact with one another. I believe the accountability will uh, be very strong. I also believe that it's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, all teams uh, come together at different points. We've had a real good, good training camp and uh, we start at home, which uh, I like the fact that we'll be able to get some practice time in if we can get some healthy players back. But... Um, uh, I really like the way it's set up, and I'm uh, expecting a real good season. That was Elaine Vigneault with our very own Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, what did you think of Vigneault's comments about the new team dynamic? It felt like this offseason, everyone came together from the front office to the coaching staff to the scouts and agreed changes had to be made and a new look had to be uh, had here in the season. Yeah, I think after last year, there was a lot of self-reflection from every person, you know, across all the spectrum of positions within the franchise. And Chuck said it too. He was like, listen, when I look at how last season went, starts with me and everyone else has to look at themselves and probably have the same conversation with themselves. And so Chuck went out, Chuck addressed what he had to address. I think Alain Vigneault, um, it seems like even he I think did some self-reflecting on, you know, how the team chooses to communicate and how he chooses to communicate with the team and his approach to coaching. And, um, which when I say this, and I'm putting a giant asterisk on this because personal opinion here, but that's what this podcast is all about. When I say that, that is not meant to do anything to validify anything that Robin Leonard said about dinosaur, this, that, or the next thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I just think that last year, and we would address it on post game all the time. When he would talk to the media, it would almost seem like I'm out of answers. Like, I don't have, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell them. And he never explicitly said it, but it was pretty apparent that that was the case. They had no practice days. They had injuries. They had a terrible schedule, like all of it. 
And I think it really forced him to do some self-reflection on, okay, how am I going to approach this year? Having gone through absolute hell last season. And you just hope that, and we won't know until it happens that he comes out all the better for it as a coach as well. But I think the that, that self-reflection went towards the players as well. Um, and I don't think he even had to enforce that upon the players. I think they felt that amongst themselves. And then you bring in all these new faces and you're not talking about trying to patch up holes in an, in an old pair of jeans. This is, looks like a whole new outfit. And, uh, and it's guys, you know, when I asked AV about the guys in the room and the character of the room now versus the character of the room last year, he made it really clear. He, he loved all the guys who were in the room last year, not a reflection on them, but he said, it's, it's lighter. The room is, it's got a lot of veteran leadership and a lot of experience and a lot more postseason experience in the room. And a lot of guys who really want to be in a point in their career where they go win something, but at the same time, it's lighter. Like a Keith Yandel is really smart and he's got these little quips and he's funny and he's light and Kim Atkinson is a little bit quieter, but he's a really friendly and funny and he's light. And Kevin is loud and boisterous and funny and light. And those things, if you talk to Ian LaPerriere about it, like he's the one who told me bringing Kevin into that locker room two years ago, changed the entire locker room to a certain extent because you need that when you're, when you go on the West coast and you lose five games in a row, you do need someone who can say, Hey guys, at the end of the day, like, we're all here and we're all making millions of dollars to play hockey. Why don't we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, have a good time, and go win a game. There is something to having a player like that who can kind of pop the, the tension balloon from time to time. Um, and now you have a room full of guys who know when it's time to be serious and who knows when it's time to make jokes. And those things help you get through a season. Um, and that's the impression I got both from AV and from Chuck is that I brought in guys who should be able to help a team win, just who they are as people and what they can do on the ice. And I think AV through camp, from what he told me, very much reflected that. It's, it's, it's a group of guys who know how to joke when it's time to joke and who know how to get serious when it's time to get serious and know how important one is to the other. Because um, I think last year was just heavy. Like it was just so heavy for everybody. And it felt like, how do you crawl out from under that weight? This is the room that can crawl out from under that weight. And you hope to see it. Yeah, you never really had a second to even breathe or decompress during that year. Not only was it snowballing on the Flyers from really March on, but even February before that, obviously when they had the COVID shutdown and things really started kind of turning upside down on, on its head, there, there was just no time to even decompress or recover. Scott Lawton, who had COVID-19 last year, uh, in training camp, he said that he just felt weird. He felt frail. Like he just had no chance to really rebuild his body. And here he is just playing game after game after game, very little to no practice time. The challenging year, it was a disastrous year for the team and it sparked a lot of change this off season. Uh, but the Flyers are truly moving forward and things really do align for them in many ways in terms of a normal 82 game season, uh, regular camp, regular practice time, things they were all pleading for um, when last season finished with no playoff berth. Uh, these are all things that they have, and they have a new dynamic and a new look. Taryn, I think it's really we're going to finally see them put it into action, and that will be the telltale of whether this was a success or not 
was they had to take it out into the ice. I thought James Van Reems like said it best uh, in camp. Everybody likes their team this time of year. It's true. Everyone really typically likes their team for the most part, but uh, Vegas doesn't like the Flyers, though. No, that's true. <laughs> we do. Vegas yeah. doesn't. But I don't, I, think, I, will... I, I don't. I don't really. I don't think big. I don't know. Whatever. I. Vegas thought a little too much of the Flyers last year. So, you know, who knows? Well, and I will say not a lot of people like the 2019-20 Flyers. Um, I don't think anyone was really excited about their offseason. I thought we all found out that Chuck Fletcher had an effective first offseason. He brought in guys that maybe didn't jump off the page, but it made them better. And they had a really good year. They were one of the best teams in the NHL uh, going down the stretch until the season was brought to a halt because of COVID. So, um, I think Vegas sometimes likes those high-scoring, flashy teams built around superstars. The Flyers don't really have a huge superstar. They don't, uh, but we'll see if Vegas starts to like them moving forward. But, Taryn, I will finish us off with the one big question. Do you think this is a playoff team? I do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I do. I haven't – I'm also saying that a little blindly because I feel like I haven't actually seen the 2021-2022 Philadelphia Flyers, and as I've said – I think probably five times now in this podcast, I don't think we will see them for the first six weeks or so of the season um, because of Kevin Hayes, that he really means that much to the lineup and to the locker room. And um, I, and I think that him missing affects, we talk about down the middle. I think it affects everyone outside of that top line, um, at least offense, like among the forwards, I would say. Um, but I don't feel like we've seen them yet. So, uh, I say that just based off of faith and the locker room they've put together and the pedigree of the locker room that they've put together. I did not to be fully transparent. I was not sure that the 2019, 2020 flyers were a playoff team. And this team has a lot more, um, winning experience than that team does in my opinion. And, um, I think this team also has a lot more for, for a while. It was like, it was Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and Wayne Simmons while he was here. And to a certain extent, Sean Couturier, who is still kind of younger than that group, but sort of in it at the same time, sometimes trying to drag everybody else along with them. This team's not in that place anymore. This team is, and especially not with the guys they have on the team. There's really no one to be dragged along other than maybe like the, the four C who pops in and out of the lineup. Maybe it's an AHL guy from time to time. Um, I think Travis Konechny being bad or not being all-star Travis Konechny last year hurt this team on a level that we all underestimate. I think Oscar Lindblom not being able to be Oscar Lindblom hurts this team. I think there were a lot of players who now are themselves. They were not last year. They did not have ice time. They did not have weight rooms. They did not have all the things that they have now and that they normally had and that they have had since they were like 12. So I think they have the players. I think they have the pieces. Big question mark for me, and I hate to jump on them from the get-go, is you don't, you don't, don't make it out without the goaltenders and it's not just Carter. It's Jones also. Why are you attacking Carter Hart? I'm I'm not attacking Carter Hart. And I thought he's done what I needed to see from him in the preseason. (laughs) Um, I just need to see it in the game. No, 
And I, and I need to see it from Jones as well, because yeah. let's be real. Brian Elliott helped the flyers get like half of their wins last year. So you're not just talking about getting Carter back. You're, I think the thing that gets lost in the shuffle is we're also talking about replacing Brian Elliott who played out of his skates for the flyers last year. So, um, yeah, you can't, Lappy's told me a million times, you look at 2018, 2019, what a hot mess express that season was. You look at the goaltender situation, it just reverberates. And I think Carter, and from, you know, my understanding of, you know, what Kim Dillaball has done with Dustin Schwartz, the Flyers goaltending coach with his hometown goaltending coach in the off season, seems like everybody made a very large concerted effort in the off season to make sure they're all on the same page so that Carter can succeed um, and be the Carter that he wants to be and that the team needs him to be. So that's my thought. Do you think they're a playoff team now that I've given you the longest answer in the history of podcasts? No, I, I like how you put it, hot mess express. I haven't yeah. heard that yet. That was a hot mess last season. The Flyers have fully moved on from it, so good for them. I think it's a playoff team. I haven't decided whether I think it's going to be within the Metropolitan Division or a wild card spot, but I do think it's a playoff team. I think they've done – plenty this offseason uh to remake the lineup and get back to being tough to play against cutting down on goals against um i think normalcy can be good for them uh but i do think it's a massive show me season elaine being in year three he had a really good one first year a bad second year this is year three he clamored for a normal season he said i haven't had one of those in philadelphia yet he's been pushing for it and he got it so everything has been gone. Everything has gone the Flyers' way. The things that the Flyers have said they wanted and they needed, they have it now. So it is a massive show me season. Uh, the pressure is on. Um, and I do think they will answer the bell. A major reason why I think their playoff team is Elaine Vigneault hasn't missed the playoffs in consecutive years since his days in Montreal. That was like the late 90s, early 2000s. The Flyers haven't missed the playoffs in consecutive seasons since the early 90s. So I do think the trends are in the Flyers' favor. And they added five guys that wore a letter on their jersey last year. Not one, not two, five. It's a lot of leadership, a lot of new experience, guys that have been around and have good qualities. I think the Flyers will be a better team for it. And I think they'll make the playoffs. Can I ask, can I ask my podcast ending question? Yes. Um, now that I'm trying to get the last word in, but I, am, I do, I want to put everybody on the hot seat with this. And I wish I could bring this around the writer's room tomorrow at practice and ask people, do you think, seeing what you saw from the Penguins last night and knowing how the Penguins are when Malkin and Crosby are playing together versus when only one of them are in or neither of them are in, which spoiler alert guys, the numbers are weirdly better for the Penguins when at least one of them is out of the lineup. Do you, do you think the Penguins winning percentage dips at all if Malkin and Crosby are back in the lineup when they come back in the lineup? I don't think so. I think they'll be better together. Um, I do think it's just, I want to talk some, some crap here, Jordy. I don't think so either, but I just kind of, I like the idea of like, they play. Well, now Crosby might be back sooner than I think we thought he would be back, but Malkin won't be back until January. Right. It's January. I'm so, I couldn't even tell you what day we get is today. Um, But I love the idea of like, they're like a hot fire team for a while. I don't love that idea, but like that, that's what the situation is. And then they're both back on the ice and they like, can't figure it out. <laughs> like, what hey, is Malcolm wrong with you back. two? Justin what is Thomas. wrong with you two? 
what is it? Malkin plays significantly better when Crosby's not on ice, right? That's what it statistically is. I think it's Malkin gets more more out of it if Crosby's not playing. Yeah. And maybe it's just like maybe he feels he's got to like carry the load more when he's in there. Maybe he gets more opportunities. I don't know. Or maybe Austin there's Irvin. strife in the room. Yeah. <laughs> the drama in Pittsburgh. No, but the Flyers division is very uh, very loaded. So like that's that's why I really don't know if it's going to be a wild card or through the division. But I thought the division was very good in 2019-20, and the Flyers turned out to be one of the better teams. Uh, before I think the Flyers would have made it out of that. I think the Flyers would have made it out of that Islanders series if all of that played out without the pause. Yeah, if they have fans in the building and they have actual home ice. Um, yeah. You know, they, they were shooting for home ice at that point. So, and then 2021 20, happened, and it was just a different. Yeah, it's just weird. It's, we're not talking about it anymore. No, exactly. Except for at 6 p.m. on Friday on Flyers pregame live. Then we will yes, that. and that's what I wanted to end it with. Flyers fans, check out pregame live. Get the full Elaine Vigneault interview and so much more. 6 p.m. Eastern time on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You can stream it on the My Teams app or on the website, NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. But Taryn and I are super excited for Flyers hockey just being back. And we're excited to see what these Flyers are made of. Uh, it truly starts Friday night at the Wells Fargo Center. Taryn Hatcher, Thank you so much. As always, great seeing you, great chatting with you. I will see you, I'm sure, soon at the practice facility. Um, a big thank you to Tom Feiner, our video producer. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Happy hockey season.